Well, it finally happened in an effort to remove all controversial books from the school libraries in the school district of Keller, Texas, which is north of Fort Worth. The district banned this book, at least temporarily. Oops is right. Texas's Keller's Independent School District was the target of the Texas Education Agency. Investigated the school district last year because of, and I quote, concerns that it has sexually explicit books available to children. So as a result, complaints flooded the school district and uh, one of the books that was complained about and therefore uh, put on a hold for, until they could review it was the Bible. And to be fair, the Bible really is full of sex and it's not all good sex. It's some very bad sex. It's full of violence. It's full of socialism and it's uh, full of Jewish people. So today in our series of Stay in School, we are talking about uh, Banned in the USA. The American Library Association says that banning books is not new, but it really ramped up in 2021. In fact, in a study that was released in April of 2022, the number of books was 1,586 banned between July of 2021 and March of 2022. Deborah Stone, who is the director of the American Library Association's Office for Intellectual Freedom, who's been there for 22 years, said this, I've never seen anything like it. Now, it could be that one of your favorite books have been banned. It's true for Linus. Charlie Brown asked, why would they ban Miss Sweet Story's book from the school library? And Linus says, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. And Charlie Brown offers a logical explanation. Well, maybe there are some things in her book that we don't understand. And Sally says, in that case, they should also ban my math book. <laughs> well, in the decade of my birth, uh, the 50s, The Wizard of Oz was banned in school districts uh, around the country. A lot of the people in our country did not think at that time that the wonderful Wizard of Oz was so wonderful at all. And there were basically two reasons school districts banned and public libraries banned uh, The Wizard of Oz. Number one, the hero was a woman, a girl, a female, and everybody knows that just can't happen. So poor Dorothy. But the second reason that it was banned, and I quote this, the inclusion of a good witch is theologically impossible because witchcraft is bad, and therefore a good witch could not exist. So let's ban that book. On the table before me are different books that have been banned in public school libraries from school boards uh, some of this past year and some over the previous years. Beloved by Toni Morrison, uh, Art Spiegelman, Miles, Genderqueer, and Frank's Diary, uh, All Boys Aren't Blue, and Fun Home. Genderqueer, All Boys Aren't Blue, and Fun Home are written by and about uh, LGBTQ uh, individuals, and you know the rest of them. Hey, Nisi, can you throw me that water? 
I forgot my pill this morning. Well, hand it to me too. That's, that works better. And I may need another one. Do we have another one? Uh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just have a seat. John, will you go get me a bottle of water? <laughs> that sounded so patriarchal and chauvinistic, didn't it? <laughs> I apologize for that. Oh, gosh, where in the world am I? Uh, back to Miss uh, Stone, Deborah Caldwell Stone. She says this about those books. Most of the challenge books focus on LGBTQ issues, discuss racism in America, and or document the experiences or the experiences of other uh, BIPOC. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> she always keeps my wine glass filled. <laughs> Ha, ha, BIPOC may be a new acronym for a lot of us that stands for Black Indigenous People of Color, just FYI. So most of these are about uh, LGBTQ issues and racism in America. Um, Emily Knox, a persistent professor at the University of Illinois, says this about these books. They expose parts of our society and our history that are difficult to discuss. This is called difficult knowledge, and we don't like difficult knowledge. We like easy stuff. In fact, we want comfortable knowledge. And so there is, for us, an opportunity to confront within our own lives a bias that is called comfort bias. Comfort bias says, I just prefer not to have my comfort disturbed. So this means that if you bring to me information either through a conversation or a lecture or a sermon or a book that makes me feel uncomfortable, that challenges my beliefs or challenges, confronts the way I'm thinking about things, then my brain will just shut off. It's almost like the brain has a circuit breaker. And when it is threatened or challenged by new information, then it switches off. The legislation that's going across the country, state legislatures in, in, our, in our era, that are banning books and restricting curriculum that teachers can use, share a particular language that focuses on this comfort bias. The language of these bills reflect the presence of the bias, comfort bias within the legislatures and probably within the public as well. The language, even in our own state of Missouri, includes something like this, that the laws that ban teaching any concepts that would make someone feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or distress solely because of the individual's race or sex, prohibits lessons that suggest anyone based on their race or sex is inherently privileged, racist, sexist, or oppressive, whenever, whether consciously or subconsciously. In 2017, the school district of Biloxi, Mississippi, 
banned uh, Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. Now, when that book was published in 60, it invited a lot of controversy and criticism. But in this case, in Biloxi, Mississippi, the explanation for banning the book was just out there. It was just uh, clear as it could be, straightforward. The school board president reported very simply, matter-of-factly, that the book makes people uncomfortable. It probably does. Racism makes us uncomfortable, as somebody in the audience said. When the book and the movie subsequently followed, came out, called The Help, uh, Mom was still alive several years ago, and she read the book and saw the movie, and as did I, and we had really an in-depth conversation about the concepts in that book and movie. And she said something very interesting to me. She said none of her friends, and my mom at that time was in her upper 70s, uh, she said none of her friends in Little Rock read the book or watched the movie. I said, well, Mom, why? And she said, well, they were the white women who had the domestic help. They were the white women. And when they watched that or would read that, they were uncomfortable. Are we banning things simply because they're making us uncomfortable? Same is true for Anne Frank's diary. School boards have deemed that some of the 14-year-old author's descriptions of her own anatomy were, and I use their words, not mine, pornographic. One Alabama textbook committee asked for Anne Frank's diary to be added to the banned book list because it's just a real downer. And the same is true of this book by Toni Morrison, Beloved. And it is a tragic story. Beloved is one of the most uh, critically acclaimed, celebrated, but one of the most banned books in America. It's a tragic story. A woman who escapes slavery kills her daughter to prevent her daughter from ever having to be enslaved. When a Virginia mother complained that her teenage son in high school had night terrors after reading the book, I wanted to congratulate that mother for raising such a sensitive boy. She is to be rewarded for that boy to feel in his soul and in his body the anguish and the agony and the terror of slavery. What a positive, that's a gift to feel that for somebody. I think if, if we felt what those who are being oppressed felt, maybe we would work toward creating a system that did not oppress. And the reason we don't work toward creating a system that doesn't oppress is that we have no empathy. We, it makes us uncomfortable. And so we don't feel what they feel. And so we don't do anything to make things better. Well, 
That's not how mom saw it at all. She wanted the book, the book banned, so that other teenagers would not experience such bad feelings. But could it be that the failure to feel what the marginalized feel keeps the marginalized on the margins? Now, this mom is not the only one who wanted to ban a book because it made her uncomfortable. There was King Jehoiakim. Everybody knows King Jehoiakim, don't we? He was the king of Judah in the 6th century BCE, and God was not happy with the people of Judah, and these are some of the reasons why. The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, change the way you have been living and do what is right. If you do, I will allow you to continue to live in this land. Stop putting your confidence in the false belief that says we are safe. The temple of the Lord is here. The temple of the Lord is here. The temple of the Lord is here. They were saying, hey, we go to church every Sabbath day, Saturday, or we go to church every Sunday. We're, we're doing okay. But then the rest of the week, we're not living a just life. You must change the way you have been living and do what is right. You must Treat one another fairly. Stop oppressing resident foreigners who live in your land. And you might be saying, Philip, didn't you just read that a couple weeks ago? I did, but it was from a different prophet. Every prophet in the Hebrew scripture focuses on not oppressing the foreigner in our land. It's the same song over and over again throughout the prophets. That's why I love Hebrew literature. Uh, stop oppressing resident foreigners who live in your land, children who have lost their fathers, and women who have lost their husbands. These represent the marginalized people in uh, this time. Stop killing innocent people in this land. Stop paying allegiance to other gods. That will only bring about your ruin. If you stop doing these things, I will allow you to continue to live in this land that I gave to your ancestors as a lasting possession. So ignoring the marginalized and following other gods are the behaviors that needed to be mended. Now, when we think of following other gods, uh, uh, the idols in our day are maybe more subtle, but equally as sinister as any idols in the days that Jeremiah lived and the days of King Jehoiakim. We have our own idols. Uh, after the queen's death this past week, a reporter there in London asked a Britisher how he felt and what he felt about the Queen. And the gentleman said, well, I don't believe in God, but I believe in Her Majesty the Queen. To me, she is divine. To me, she is God. Now, we may kind of scoff at that or laugh at that or dismiss that, but I want us to ask ourselves, is it possible that maybe even we in the United States have a tendency to deify our leaders? To idolize our leaders, whether it's political leaders or religious leaders. We so often do that. We have other idols, greed and entertainment, sex. We all have idols in our lives. So what will happen to the people of Judah 
which is the southern kingdom, if they do not mend their ways. So I, the Lord, affirm that I will send for all the peoples of the north and my servant, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and all the nations that surround it. I will utterly destroy the land, its inhabitants, and all the surrounding nations, make them everlasting ruins. I will make them objects of horror and uh, hissing scorn. Boy, so powerful. So for 40, rather 23 years, Jeremiah preached to the people of Judah to change their ways. They never did. So God said, well, Jeremiah, they're not listening to you. Why don't you write it down so they can read it? Maybe that'll motivate them to change their ways. So Jeremiah had his assistant, Baruch, uh, write down what Jeremiah said. And then Baruch took what Jeremiah had said and had been dictated to King Jehoiakim. And King Jehoiakim's assistant read what Jeremiah had written, and this was his response. It was December. The king was sitting in his winter quarters in front of a charcoal fire after Jehudai, his assistant, would read three or four columns of the scroll. The king would cut them off the scroll with his pocket knife and throw them in the fire, book burning. He continued in this way until the entire scroll had been burned up in the fire. These words make me uncomfortable. I'm going to ban them. I'm going to burn them. I don't want to be told that I'm not taking care of the marginalized. I don't want to be told that God is going to discipline me if I'm not caring for the poor. Oh, I just want to hear that. I don't want to hear any more sermons on that. Mm. We just dismiss it. Well, King Jehoiakim is not the only one that banned parts of the Bible throughout history. During the British rule in India, the church was prohibited from singing uh, 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 what was called the Magnificat, the Mary's song that she wrote and sang after she was told by the angel Gabriel about her pregnancy. Why would the British government ban the reading of Scripture, Mary's song, in public? Well, here's part of the Scripture. Here's part of the song. Mary wrote this. Mary sang this. He has demonstrated power. God has with his arm. He has scattered those whose pride wells up from the sheer arrogance of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up those of lowly position. He has filled the hungry with good things and he has sent the rich away empty. So on the final day of British rule in India, Gandhi, who really loved Jesus, uh, liked and admired and respected Jesus, but did not embrace the Christianity that was being lived by the British people in India, did this. Gandhi, who was a leader of that revolution there in India against British rule, requested that everywhere that the British flag was flown, as it was being lowered, that the people would recite the song of Mary. The song that had been banned. Now Gandhi wanted it recited. In the 1980s, Guatemala 
the government of Guatemala found the ideas of Mary's song, of God's concern for the poor, oh, that's just too uncomfortable. I mean, that might give people the idea that God loves the poor. It might give people the idea that we're not taking care of the poor like we should. And so they banned it as well. It was too revolutionary, too risky. When books make us feel uncomfortable, we like to just shut our ears to them or ban them or burn them. When I was growing up, Soviet Union prisoner who had uh, served his time and was released, he kind of became a hero to a lot of those in the United States as he wrote about the uh, oppression of the communist rule in the Soviet Union. He died in 2008 at the age of 89. He's a wise man and so often quoted. In 1978, he spoke to the graduating class at Harvard, and the words he told them are words that we need to hear today. He wrote, or rather he said, Harvard's motto is Veritas, Latin for truth. Many of you have already found out and others will find out in the course of their lives that truth eludes us if we do not concentrate with total attention on its pursuit. And even while it eludes us, the illusion still lingers of knowing it. I like that, the illusion lingers of knowing the truth. I don't know if we, any of us know the truth. Brian McLaren has said something over and over again that I really do like and respect. It makes me think. He says, we don't see everything, so we can't know everything. So any truth that we think we know, even this writer says, is an illusion. Because we don't see everything. We judge people. But we don't see everything in that person's life. Yeah, I don't anyway. And I still judge. The illusion still lingers of knowing it and leads to many misunderstandings. Also, truth is seldom pleasant. It is almost invariably bitter. We are living in a world right now in the United States that if any information or any truth is bitter, we don't want to hear it. The consequences are grave. We don't like bitter, so we spit it out. We ban it, we burn it. And when we do that, we don't learn, we don't grow. And we don't change, and we keep the marginalized on the margins. And sadly, I think maybe that's what some people want, to keep the marginalized on the margins. Listen to Christina Ellis. She was a black high school senior from York County, Pennsylvania, who spoke to the uh, Congress people at a House committee on uh, oversight and reform. She spoke out against the uh, banning of books in her school district. She said, the reason I stood against my school district's book ban was because I didn't want the future African-American kids to go through some of the things that I went through growing up because of the lack of cultural sensitivity in my schooling experience. I also didn't want minority students in general feeling like their culture did not matter because in school, there was little to no representation of them. She goes on, banning books of those of minority backgrounds and unique voice backgrounds 
silences their voices and erases their history. So why is it that these books that are banned are written by and about the marginalized people? These books tell stories about people, their experiences and situations that are very different, that are unknown to a middle-class, white, uh, heterosexual person. And when we, those stories are read, it, it just has a potential of changing how we see ourselves and changing how we see other people in these marginalized groups. And honestly, some people don't want to change. They don't want themselves to change. They don't want to see how our world change in relationship to these individuals. Well, Christina goes on. She says, arguably, it is taking away their right to express themselves. These are words on the page that have the power to change a cold heart to warm. It's not indoctrination. It's education. This is a New Jersey librarian, Martha Hickson. She knows, as all librarians know, why reading is so important. So in September 2021, when her school board began to make a list and become very critical of uh, particular books and began to exercise such tight control over the books in the library, especially those books that are about marginalized people, especially those books that are by and about the LGBTQ community, when those books were removed, she was puzzled. And she was harassed at the meeting of the school board. Uh, she was accused of uh, grooming. One parent accused her of uh, and condemned her for allowing her 16-year-old son to read books about queer people. How dare she? And she says this, when I order books for the library or create a book display, I'm mindful about making sure that the whole community of kids in the school can see themselves represented, not just so they can read about people like them, but also so they can experience lives that are different from their own. That's called education. And Ms. Hickson was harassed by social media, uh, mail, hate letters in the mail, and uh, hateful and hurtful phone calls and messages, but in all the negativity and the hate, she remembered a former student who is presently pursuing a PhD in psychology. She writes about him when he came out in high school, he was kicked out of his home. Just let that sink in a moment. Do you know anybody that was kicked out of their home when they came out? We all do. He was taunted by fellow students in the classroom. Reading books about gay life would not have been safe for him at home. The school library was the only place he could safely access the reliable information he needed. Can we see our libraries as a safe place for those who are marginalized? You don't have to go all the way to New Jersey 
to hear the story of a librarian. I had a conversation with a librarian of a school district in our area. And uh, what, what was said is so very important to me. I want you to read it. She said three titles this past spring, uh, 2022, Fun Home, All Boys Aren't Blue, and Home Going made their way to our school board for final decisions. Fun Home and All Boys Aren't Blue were removed from the library, and Home Going was placed as restricted with parent permission. These works were not necessarily read cover to cover by those making the final decision, and many things can be interpreted out of context. Y'all remember uh, just a few weeks ago, um, Salmon, I can't pronounce his last name, Rusty, who has kind of been under death threat since he wrote the Satanic Verses, where he was attacked when he was given a speech at a school and almost died from that attack. Well, the guy that attacked him admitted that he had only read two pages of the book that caused such a furor. Now, again, Charles Schultz is ahead of his time. He wrote these comic strips in the 70s about book banning. Charlie Brown says the line is, okay, I hope you're satisfied. I talked with my pediatrician who was on the school board of Linus's and Charlie Brown's school that banned the book. And actually, this was in the mid-70s when this was written. Actually, he's a very sensitive person, even though he faints a lot. He admitted that he's never really read Miss Sweet Story's book. He said he only read, reads medical journals, although sometimes the pictures upset him. What the good pediatrician did is what a lot of people, I'm afraid, are doing are the people who are banning these books, people who've actually read the books. Why do we ban it if we don't know it? Well, let's go on and see what our librarian friend says. All librarians were asked to attend the school board meeting in which these final decisions were made. To say it was difficult to hear the di direct bashing of the two high school librarians is an understatement. They were personally attacked and requested to be placed on the sex offender list because they were providing pornography to minors. Take a picture of the books and go read them yourself. See what you think. Multiple individuals who spoke at the public forum also demanded their immediate resignations. Current high school students also spoke at the meeting, all supporting the hard work and connections the two high school librarians make to all students, especially those of the LGBTQ+. These students stated how welcoming and affirming the high school librarians and the resources they provide were for them in a sometimes narrow-minded region where we live. The meeting felt more of a direct bashing of these ladies and their work rather than the print materials in question. Students who desire an open mind for various topics will still find a way to obtain these works and other, others that have been banned in our schools. Removing the titles from libraries satisfies the groups who complain, but it also limits other students and their guardians from having the choice to read these works from a public school setting. We are headed toward a future where anything in question, 
Anything that encourages open-mindedness is going to be banned or restricted. How can we expect to create well-rounded, productive citizens if that happens? Wise words, a good question. So here's our takeaway today. I don't want to be like King Jehoiakim. Don't want to burn a book because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Are we like King Jehoiakim? With a nod to Jack Nicholson, can we handle the truth? And the truth, as I understand it, is that there has been oppression, and there presently is oppression. And there has been one group that has been privileged over other groups. And I'm just wondering if the group that has been privileged is fearful that their privileged position is going away. And they see that as discrimination. Books speak to our biases. When we don't have contact with people who are different than we, our prejudices go unchallenged. Author E.B. White Charlotte's Webb, author. Prejudice is a great time saver. You can form opinions without having to get the facts. I can form an opinion about the book. I don't have to read the book. It's got the word queer on it, doesn't it? Then I don't want it in my library. Yeah. Books can smash prejudices. Don't ban it because it makes you uncomfortable, but read it to see if your discomfort is justified. Read it to see if there's something about you that doesn't reflect love, that doesn't reflect inclusion, that doesn't reflect the spirit of love, the spirit of God, the spirit of the divine, who again and again through the prophets of the Hebrew time said, do not oppress my people. Do not oppress them, those on the margins. King Jehoiakim burned and banned a book that made him feel uncomfortable. I invite you to a world of discomfort because it is only in the discomfort that I change. It's only when I'm uncomfortable with the way I am that I will ever become the way I should be. Banned in the USA. Let's change that to read in the USA. Loved in the USA. Included in the USA.